And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shina, Arioch, king of Elasa, Kedalioma, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that they made war with Bira, king of Sodom, Beersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shemiba, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is, Zoah. All these joined together in the valley of Sidim, that is, the Salt Sea. Twelve years they served Kedoleoma, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Kedoleoma and the kings that were with him came and attacked the Rephaim in Ashtaroth Kanaim, the Zuzim in Ham, the Emim in Sheva Keriathaim, and the Horites in their mountain of Seir, as far as El Perun, which is by the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to Enmishpat, that is, Kadesh, and attacked all the country of the Amalekites and also the Amorites, who dwelt in Hazazan Tamar. And the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoah, went out and joined together in battle in the valley of Sidim against Kedoleoma, king of Elam, Tidal, king of nations, Amraphel, king of Shina, and Eriak, king of Elasa, four kings against five. Now the valley of Sidim was full of asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshkel and brother of Ana, and they were allies with Abram. Now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother, Lot, and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva, that is, the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Keroleoma and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, he was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him. Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. 
and he gave him a tithe of all. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing, from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich, except only what the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men who went with me, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre. Let them take their portion. Welcome to our journey through the first book of the Bible. If we were to give this a humorous title, we could call the sermon, Abram Had a Lot to Gain. And retitle last Sunday's talk, Abram Had a Lot to Lose. Little humor there, very little. Verse 1, I just want to stroll through this passage again and point some things out. And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Eleazar, Chedorlaomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations. Tidal means fearsome or terrorizing. And nations is the Hebrew word goy, which means Gentiles. So he's the king of Gentiles. It came to pass that they made war with Bera, king of Sodom. Uh, understanding the evolution of words, Sodom now means burnt. <laughs> Bera, king of Sodom, Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah. And Gomorrah now means heap of ruins, destruction. So Bera and Bersha kings of the well-known Sodom and Gomorrah. Bersha means with wickedness. So, who are you, Bersha? Oh, I'm with him. Points at Bera. Shinab, king of Adma. Shemeber, king of Zeboim. And the king of Bela, that is Zoar. They don't give his name. The word Zoar means little, so maybe he was little. Uh, all these joined together in the valley of Siddim, that is a salt sea. Twelve years they served Kedeleomar. We could call him Cheddar because he was the head cheese of this coalition. And in the thirteenth year they rebelled. So here's what happened. These five city-states in the comfortable region of land where Abram's nephew chose to live came under bondage to some big kingdoms in the east, actually the region of the world where Abram came from. They came under bondage under them. So they're having to pay tribute, extortion, maybe a certain portion of their crops. You know, I wonder, wonder if it was like this when Lot chose to live there. He didn't know. It all looked good. Things can look good to the eyes, but you don't know the details, right? The restaurant can be awesome, and then you go in the kitchen. Um, <clears throat> churches are like that, too. Great service, then you go to a staff meeting. <clears throat> don't, want, don't want to do that. So anyway, at what point this happened, the point was they were, they were being extorted. They were suffering under the bondage of these people. And no doubt they conquered them and then left them under 
policing of, you know, some troops behind. So they rebelled, and of course, they overthrew those oppressing them. In the 13th year, 12 years of suffering, 13 years they rebel. In the 14th year, Cheddar and the kings that were with him came and attacked the Rephaim. Wait a minute, that's not who they were after. The Rephaim means giants. They came and attacked and went on the warpath, conquering folks along the way. And this list of folks, seven kingdoms, uh, seven cities, seven communities, were some bad dudes. Maybe they didn't want to mess with it before, or maybe they didn't have as prosperous a farmland as um, the five kingdoms that they had conquered previously. So they attacked the Rephaim in Ashereth Karnaim. The word Rephaim is plural for the word giants. So these were some big dudes. And the Zuzim in Ham. Zuzim is a word that also means wild beasts. So these are some wild characters. The Imim in Sheva Kiriathim. Kiriathim, the Imim. Imim means terrors. So these were some scary dudes. And the Horites, which means cave dwellers, in their mountain of Seir, which means rugged. So some tough, you know, to live in a rugged place, you got to be tough, right? They had calluses on their hands as far as El Paran, which is by the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to Enmashpet. We'll look at a map here in a minute of all this. That is Kadesh, and attacked all the country of the Amalekites. Then the Amalekites became very wicked people. Saul, remember, was told years later to conquer them, and he, he, he did it in a wimpy sort of way, and God was not pleased. And also the Amorites, or the mountaineers, who dwell in Hezazon Tamar. So they're on a warpath, and they're conquering folks along the way to deal with this rebellion. Now, they don't know this is good military strategy. The soldiers in the house could tell me about it, you officers. Um, <clears throat> you don't want to necessarily go into the community of those in rebellion because they may have traps set for you, right? So doing it the way they did drew them out into a battlefield, perfect scenario for them to whoop up on the rebels. And the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, so Bera and Bersha, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor, went out. They left their safe places and joined together in battle, in battle in the valley of Sidim. Couldn't be a better scenario for Cheddar and his crew. King of Elam, Tidal, king of nations, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elisar, four kings against five. But their kingdoms were bigger than the five kingdoms. Now, the Valley of Sidon was full of asphalt pits, which is uh, bitumen. And the Hebrew word for pits, bear, is in the Hebrew twice. So bitumen, bear, bear. So asphalt pit pits, so a lot of pits. Pits are still in this part of the land of Israel today. This is a screenshot from a video of a guy that takes video footage of some of them. And there's signs around that part of Israel, danger, open pits. 
They're tar pits mixed with water. They're just, they're just a mess. The kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, and some fell. So some of the leaders fell into tar pits. Oh, what a mess. And the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took all the goods, that is, the food of Sodom and Gomorrah, and all their provisions, and went their way. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, that is, his riches, and departed. And, of course, we'll see later, they took all the women, what they do in warfare, took all the women and... and uh, we're going to victimize them. Who knows, Lot maybe, maybe was headed for an auction block, become a slave. Good choice, Lot, to choose in this endangered place. Verse 13, Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and brother of Aner. So Mamre was a person. Three Amorites, Mamre, Eshcol, and Aner, and they were allies with Abram. Now, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trade servants, surgeons, servants, there's a difference, who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. So he takes a trail parallel with them and then makes his attack. Verse 15, he divides his forces against them by night, he and his servants attacked them, and his three friends, we'll see later. So 322 people, counting Abram, they divide them into two teams and attack them at night. As far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus, so up north of Israel into Syria region we know of now. So he brought back all the goods, so the captives helped carry the goods, and brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. So he brought back all the people destined for a future of misery. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shavai, which is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Kedoleomer and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of God Most High, or in Hebrew, El Elyon. And he blessed him, blessed Abram, and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, Hey, Bera, I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich, except only what the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men who went with me, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre, let them take their portion. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us today from your word in such a way that it impacts how we live as individuals, as believers, and as citizens. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the story in a nutshell.
We have the kings in the east. Uh, see where Ur of the Chaldeans is? That's where Abram came from. So you have the land of Elam, Shinar, along the Euphrates, Eliezer, and then the king of nations, which is the land of the Hittites, where uh, Tidal was king. You see Haran, where Abram came from? So these nations attacked these four cities. But on the way there, they attacked seven cities before they made war with the five cities that were in rebellion. You see that? Karnaim, Ham, Kiriathim, the Amorites, the Horites, and El Paran. And so after conquering them, here's this battle. And Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboim, and Zoar fight and lose. So here's another sketch. These four kingdoms come south from the east, and they attack seven city-states or seven communities and win on their way to a battle with the five cities that are in rebellion. And then they head back north with the booty, with the captives, with the stuff. Abram, who's up there at point number five, hears wind of it. Uh, no doubt he had kept in touch with Lot where he lived. And one of the captives escaped, having been told by Lot where his uncle lived, maybe he can help us, he brings him word. So Abram and his guys, 318 guys plus the neighbors, uh, and maybe their guys, if they had some, they start heading north too, and at the right time, they divide into two teams, attack them, and win. And so the enemy goes home defeated. If they came back later, they would be surprised at what had happened to the territory that they had conquered. We'll, we don't know if that happened. But this is the first recorded battle in the Bible. How does this apply to me? Can we say, so what? One, two, three. So what? Well, it applies to us in learning from the lifestyle of Abram. There's two characters in this chapter that are just awesome. Melchizedek, man, he deserves his own sermon. He's awesome. We'll leave him for another time. And Abram, he was a fearful guy, an aging guy, a guy that succumbed to fear to the point that he pimped out his wife. I mean, that's what a headline could have said about what he did. And God had to rescue him from that situation. But now over the years, he's matured. He's become a strong man of faith. And there's some things about him, I think, that we can glean from. So we're going to talk about the lifestyle of a man of God. He worshiped the Lord. He built, this was the third altar he built in the land we now call Israel, where he worshiped the Lord. And he sought the Lord before going to battle. Remember, he said, I raised my hand and promised God I wouldn't take a thread to a shoe strap from this, and I'm not going to take anything from Sodom. He sought the Lord for his blessing and, no doubt, his strategy and how to do this so he could rescue his nephew, who was like a son to him. He befriended his neighbors. He uh, had allies that could help him out, and they helped him out in this. So these, these are qualities that we want in our life. We want to love God. That's a great command, right, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourself. 
So loving God and loving others. And if someone loves you back, they'll go to battle with you. But if you're Mr. Independent, Mr. Jerk, and you get into need for some allies, guess what? You may be on your own. This person courageously led others. These guys went with him. 318, 321 men go with him to battle and follow his leadership because of his faith and his courage. He had good strategy. They attack at night. They form two teams. Surprise attack. They gain the advantage against an army that was tired, made up of four different nations, so a coalition of armies, right? Trying to keep track of stuff and people. They lost one or more, probably, escaping. So they're distracted, they're tired, they're divided, and Abram has this element of surprise, attacks them in a land where they thought they had destroyed all the bad dudes. But notice they did go back different than the way they came. <laughs> Why did they go back to the territory that they had conquered? Who knows? But it was good enough for a victory for Abram. He practiced kindness to the needy. Lot, who was Mr. Greedy, now is Mr. Needy. So Abram could have been vindictive and says, you know, I'll go buy him off the auction block later. How's it working for you, Mr. Selfish? When they chose to divide their, their ranches, uh, Lot chose the superior land, and now he's in a mess because of his greed. But he didn't do it. He practiced kindness to the needy. Many times people are in need because of foolishness and unwise decision. And uh, make sometimes when people make decisions that you would never make because you know better, and now they're in need, you would be tempted to be heartless. And sometimes people do have to learn from their decisions. Lot suffered from this. From this. Um, but the Bible teaches us to be merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Some people suffer as a result of the lack of wisdom on the part of others. You ever suffered because of someone's poor decision? So you could be in need there. And sometimes it's just a ripple effect. Some people haven't had the benefit of being parented like you were parented. Whatever it is, the point is, it's not whether or not people deserve mercy. If that's the case, then we're all in bad shape because no one deserved mercy. Humanity killed God's son. I mean, how, how evil can you get? Mess with me, that's bad. Mess with my child, oh man, them's fighting words. God chose that to show his mercy and love. This person received God's blessing. In spite of his wisdom, in spite of his neighbors, in spite of his lifestyle, he had the mercy of God. Here comes the mysterious king Melchizedek. Melchizedek means king of righteousness. King of Salem. Salem is shalom, king of peace. He's the king of righteousness and the king of peace. He's a picture of Jesus, and he serves communion, bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God. He preceded the priest of the law, and he's, Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. We'll deal with that another time. 
he blesses Abram and says, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So Abram, there was more to him than just 320 men and a good strategy and the element of surprise at night. There was the hand of God. The angels of the Almighty were on his side that helped bring him the victory. Abram, we're just talking about his lifestyle, right? As a pastor, I couldn't leave this alone, right? He initiated tithing. No prompting, no revelation. He gives him a tithe of all. Now, having conquered the enemy and taken in all the treasures of victory, those technically were now his. And he gave a tenth to the Lord's priest. He rejected alliances with the wicked. Here comes King Barah, the king of Sodom, says to Abram, give me of the persons and take the goods for yourself. Abram wouldn't have it. You know, they needed that food. No doubt they'd come knocking on Abram's door. Hey, you know that food? Could you uh, give us a job? Whatever. He kept himself free of alliances with gangsters. This person prospered spiritually. He made a commitment to the Lord. I've raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth. If you want to prosper spiritually and you make a commitment to the Lord, you, you better pray for his help to keep that commitment. Like you've made a rash commitment, God understands. Just ask for forgiveness and start afresh. But he was committed to God and he was prospering and growing spiritually. Abram knew where his source was. He told the king of Sodom, I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. He wanted God to get all the glory in his life. God was his source. Now, I have to say this. In our day, from what you hear sometimes on what is called Christian television, there are guys out there that would have taken what Sodom offered. Oh, praise God, I got my hundredfold return. Give a tithe and now get ten times that. Well, that's a tenfold return anyway. It's not a hundredfold, right? When God blesses you, you want to receive God's blessing, but you want to receive it appropriately, right? I, I, I got to say this too. There's that TV preacher that a lot of people love that said he had to receive X amount of dollars or God was going to call him home. Man, that's, that's really bad theology. God's practicing extortion, you know, like God is in need. He uses people to do his purposes, but he got the money. You know how he got it? From a guy that owned a dog track. Gambling. Well, the wealth is laid up for the righteous. The wealth of the sinners laid up for the righteous. You got one verse in Proverbs out of context. One verse. The wealth of the sinners laid up for the righteous. Well, I believe in the end time transfer of wealth. That is false teaching, saints. If you're into that stuff, get away from it. Get away from it. God blesses faithfulness, right? But you don't buy him off. And 
God certainly is not going to reward laziness just because people are his people, right? He blesses us in four ways, hard work, wise investment, inheritance, and miracle. Miracle is the exception. Miracle is not the norm. You may have a debt paid off, and you don't even know how it happened. It can happen. It's a miracle. But if you live your life by the mailbox, wanting a miracle every day, you're going to be sorely disappointed because we reap what we sow. Right? So we'll move right on. Our source is God. It's not the wicked. That makes the wicked our source. To me, that verse means, you know, a wicked person won't, won't harvest during harvest time, won't plow his field, won't take care of his farm, he'll lose it. Was a righteous person who's a good steward of what God has blessed him with will prosper with that same farm. Look at the land of Israel. It's prospering today under the hand of Abram's children. The people before it squandered it. In the 1800s, Mark Twain went on a Holy Land trip with a church that was pastored by Henry Ward Beecher. If you've heard of, who's heard of Uncle Tom's Cabin? Written by Harriet Beecher Stowe. Well, she had a brother that was a pastor. And he sent people on a tour of the Holy Land. It took months. I mean, the steamship, all that stuff. And a newspaper paid Mark Twain's way to go with them. And he wrote an article every day. He said, Israel was nothing but desert, swamps, and mosquitoes. The picture he painted was just, just a horrible place to live. How can this be the promised land? When he came back, they took all those articles and made a book, and the publishing company hired agents and sent them across the United States selling this book by Mark Twain to let the world know what Israel was like. Now you go there now, it is amazing. Back to the sermon. How did I get on that? Oh, the wealth of the sinners laid up for the just. So God's people sent the Jews there to deliver them from the nations that are trying to destroy them. And they're still coming in there by the thousands every year to prosper in the homeland that he had promised their father, Abram. A land that the wicked was squandering. He understood personal convictions. His convictions were personal. He didn't put it on others. So, if the young men, the 320, 318 men plus the three neighbors wanted stuff that, saw, that the king of Sodom was offering, they could have it. In his case, he had made a promise to God. So he was convicted against receiving anything from the king of Sodom. But if others wanted to, it could be their deal. All right. In our walk with the Lord, we live according to the Scriptures. We live according to the revealed will of God. There are things in Scripture that are clearly wrong. It's wrong to lie. It's wrong to steal. It's wrong to cheat. But there are some things, those gray areas, where the Spirit of God will give you a conviction because of your weakness. Let's say uh, alcohol is a weakness. Well, you don't go in a liquor store to buy a Coke. All right? But if you put that on everybody in your life, 
I heard you went to the liquor store for a Coke. How dare you? You, you are living in sin. That's not true. Somebody's not living by your convictions. I could go in a liquor store and get a Coke. It wouldn't be a sin. It wouldn't be a problem. I wouldn't be tempted. I can't stand this stuff. But there are other areas where I have a conviction that I'm not going to put on you because it's between me and the Lord. You understand that? Well, Abram had enough sense to understand that and it was an operation in his life. And he took God seriously. Look what happens in the next chapter. After these things, Genesis 15, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield and the one who will reward you in great abundance. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what will you give me since I continue to be childless? And my heir is Eliezer of Damascus. Previously, God had blessed him, blessed him with a blessing, a promise of a son, and it hadn't happened. Abram added, since you have not given me a descendant like you promised, then look, one born in my house will be my heir. But look, the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but instead a son who comes from your own body will be your heir. The Lord took him outside and said, gaze into the sky and count the stars if you're able to count them. Then he said, so will your descendants be. Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord considered his response of faith as proof of genuine loyalty. So he took the word of God seriously. He asked God questions. Not wrong to ask God questions. It's not wrong to ask God, you know, help. What's going on? So that's the lifestyle of a man of God, or we could say the lifestyle of a woman of God. He was a man of worship, a good neighbor, courage, strategy, seeking God for these things, kind to those that may not be worthy, knowing that God's blessing is most important in his life. Jesus was these things. He worshiped his father. He loved his neighbors, gave his life for us. He was courageous. He was strategic. When they wanted to kill him ahead of time, he was able to get away. Kindness personified to those that are not worthy and blessed by his father. He did more than tithe. He gave his life, right? He did mention tithing two or three times. He said, woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe of your spices. I think he said, you pay tithes on your mint and cumin, but neglect weightier matters of the law, like faith and mercy. These you ought to have done without leaving the other undone. Jesus made no alliances with the wicked. Remember his temptation while he was fasting? Bow down to me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. What, a, what, what an opportunity to gain power without any suffering. He rejected that. He obviously prospered spiritually. He kept his commitments to his father. He knew who his source was. He understood personal convictions. He didn't put his cross on other people for them to die on. He said, you have a cross to carry. Pick up your cross and deny yourself and follow me. So he recognized everyone had personal calling. He took the will of God seriously to the point 
death. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would be challenged by biblical heroes like Abram. Lord, we would be strategic in the battles that we face. Help us, Lord, to fight the real battles. Help us, Lord, to be wise and strategic in all that you call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Moving with the Lamb, moving with the Lamb, I'm surrounded. Moving with the Lamb, moving with the Lamb, I'm surrounded. Strolling with the Lamb, strolling with the King of Kings. Stepping with the Lamb, 
Jesus is mine. 